Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at relevantradio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hey, thanks again for joining us here on Relevant Radio for this hour of spiritual direction. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and glad to have you along for The Inner Life today, here on this Tuesday, Tuesday of the 27th week in Ordinary Time. And if you lived through the 1980s, do you remember seeing those old television commercials with Ed McMahon telling you to enter a sweepstakes Ed McMahon, he was Johnny Carson's sidekick. He was the announcer on The Tonight Show. Now, do you recall which sweepstakes it was that he promoted in those television commercials? And in fact, I'll even bring on our spiritual director early. Uh, Father Peter Armenio is here in the studio with me. Father, do you remember Ed McMahon seeing those television commercials with the sweepstakes? Unfortunately not, because I didn't watch too much TV. Okay, well, (laughs) I always thought it was Publisher's Clearinghouse. And I, if you would have asked me, I could have sworn that was what he was promoting. But it was actually, uh, he was a spokesperson for American Family Publishers. And it turns out this is one of those common mistakes that are made where if you remember Ed McMahon talking about a sweepstakes, most people think it's Publishers Clearinghouse. It's not Publishers Clearinghouse. But back in late 1999, my wife, Baylen, she entered that Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes. And we had just been married earlier that year in April, and I didn't know that she entered initially. The drawing was to be held in early 2000, and Baylen, she waited until we were only a couple weeks out from that drawing, and then she told me that she entered. Now, Baylen, she's generally a lucky person. If we're playing a game where chance is involved, if there's the roll of the dice, if there's the luck of the draw of the cards, she gets what she needs to win the game more often than not. I'd say her batting average is well over 500. Uh, not always, of course, but she has that really good uh, kind of luck that follows her. And she's always, almost always upbeat, always optimistic. So even when something doesn't go her way, it doesn't get her down. She's always looking ahead to whatever's coming next with hopeful expectations. Well, now back, you know, in 1999, when she entered this, now I'm not nearly as enthusiastically optimistic as Baylen, but her enthusiasm, she has this way of drawing me and our children into her excitement. So in February of the year 2000, when she told me that she entered Publishers Clearinghouse Sweepstakes, I laughed at first because I knew the ridiculously small chance of winning that grand prize. And here's another question for you, Father. Any idea on the odds of winning the Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes? Uh, 20,000 to one. Oh, that's so generous. It's actually a one chance in 6.2 billion. One in 6.2 billion. To put that in perspective, if they did a drawing every single day, day after day after day, until they completed 6.2 billion total drawings, it would take almost 17 million years to accomplish that. Whoa. Yeah, 17 Whoa. million years. So, but Baylen, 
she was so optimistic. You know, somebody has to win. They're going to draw somebody's name. So over the course of the, ne- the, the next week that was leading up to that drawing, Belen, she pulled me into that same enthusiasm. We knew there was a chance, however small it might be. And so the day of the drawing came and we got up that morning, we got ready, dressed a little nicer than usual because, you know, the cameras, they'd be out there to record us when they rang our doorbell and they handed us that oversized check. And of course, the day came and went. We just had fun dreaming about what we might do if we had won the money, but it was actually just enjoyable to spend the day together, to just be there kind of together in that hopeful mode. And were we horribly disappointed when we didn't win? No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't anything big. And even though we didn't win, for me, sharing in Baylen's optimism, it made that day so much fun. And I've seen that throughout my marriage to Baylen, even in the times where something difficult comes along. Baylen's optimism, it allows her to enjoy the little things that are still good in those moments, even if it's a difficult moment. And that leads to a grateful and thankful attitude that I see in her, that demeanor. And that in turn, it makes her simply enjoy life altogether. Now, when it comes to our spiritual life, when we know Christ, when we're a part of the body of Christ, the odds are completely stacked in our favor. So we have the best reason of all to be optimistic every day of our lives in all circumstances. And that's what we want to talk about today here on The Inner Life, how being united with Christ, it allows us to be the ultimate optimists. And as I mentioned before, Father Peter Arminio, uh, one of the regular voices you hear as our spiritual director here on Relevant Radio during The Inner Life, he's with me here in studio, and he's a priest of Opus Dei. He's a widely sought speaker in his ministry of preaching retreats and days of recollection. And Father, uh, officially, welcome into the studio. Glad to have you here for the hour. Josh, great to be here. I'm always honored to be on this program. Yeah, well, so let's let's talk about optimism here. You know, sure. I, I mean, as I'm talking about that sweepstakes drawing, uh, that's just kind of a pie in the sky, maybe wishful thinking. But when we're talking about real Christian optimism, what what do we mean? We mean that we'll always win the sweepstakes, no matter what the odds are. Right. Um, in a Christian meaning, and we have to focus on the Paschal mystery. And the Paschal mystery, the heart of it is the death uh, of Christ on the cross, uh, culminating in a victory, uh, which we call the resurrection. So I would say that that Paschal mystery for any Christian seeking out Christ, any baptized Christian, again, seeking out Christ, in that person's heart and soul, there's always that dynamism or mechanism of the death and resurrection of Christ. And so no matter how, humanly speaking, uh, a situation is bleak or an event, how bleak it may be, or negative, uh, with Christ, we're promised that because of that dynamism of the resurrection following the cross, that we also will experience that in very concrete ways. Suffering always brings about a resurrection. Struggle always brings about a renewal. Uh, a bleak event, uh, there's a silver lining that eventually kicks in, albeit we need faith uh, to persevere and to stay faithful, but especially the saints, holy people we all know, are a wonderful testimony of optimism. Uh, I'm very much into realistic optimism, and I, again, I use the, the gospel Uh, as a paradigm of what optimism is all about. And, for example, there's a number of miracles 
for the catch of the miraculous load of fish on Lake Genezareth, the conversion of water into wine, the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. And I will even, I add one more, the cure of the paralytic. Now, why do I associate that with optimism? Well, first of all, and that could be also uh, an allegory of what we're going through in our society, in our country, you know, with this culture of death that keeps prevailing and the, the moral relativism and the ignorance of Christ. And, you know, we could all go on and on and on. And when Jesus told Peter and his associates to go back into the lake and fish, Peter gave a very logical response pessimistic one based on experience, based on observation. There's no fish in that lake. And Jesus basically said, well, I'm telling you to go in there, lower your nets for a catch. And Peter said, okay, well, I'm going to go beyond logic. Uh, not that I'm going to be illogical, but I'm going to go beyond logic and lower the nets. And he lowers the nets and hauls them in. Now, what does that have to do with optimism? Well, optimism is realistic. I... I can't absolutely speak for what would have happened if Peter did not go back and lower the nets, but I think we could all be morally certain that there would have been no catch of fish if Peter did not cooperate with Christ. And that act of faith was heroic. In a sense, pulled an all-nighter, he was exhausted, he didn't catch anything, he was hungry, he was thirsty, etc. Uh, same thing with the... One of the little occupational hazards of the uh, miracle at Cana, and rightfully so, we're focused on Our Lady's powerful intercession, especially in the month of October, the power of Jesus. But we can't miss uh, what was indispensable, secondary, but indispensable. They would have been stuck without wine in spite of Mary's intercession, in spite of the power Jesus had, if those workers, and according to the gospel commentators, uh, they had a fetch between 80 gallons and 120 gallons of water. And Jesus said, fill them up. And the gospel gives us a little detail. They filled them to the brim. If those workers had not done that, there would have been no miracle. So basically, I'm not going to go through every gospel passage, but if you notice that Jesus never gives himself self-attribution for a miracle, obviously, these miracles uh, need, by their very nature, divine intervention, divine power. But Jesus never blame, never gives the attribution to himself. He gives attribution to the man or the woman with faith. In other words, optimistic outcomes uh, are kind of a partnership between the power of divine intervention and our correspondence. Um, I guess this begs the question, how can I be optimistic when there's even more defections in the church, less people are going to church, uh, I go to work and I am the odd person out. Uh, the prevailing opinion is that um, marriage between a man and a woman is not the only kind of marriage. It's, it's a, a same-sex partnership, etc. cetera. Um, there's a big... There's a movement for life, but there's, let's be honest, there's a movement for destruction of the unborn. Uh, we have uh, Catholic politicians who are not 
uh, in total sync with the church. On and on and on, these kinds of things will bother the normal faithful. You know, the environment uh, is not conducive to Christian living, to put it mildly. So uh, where is the optimism? Well, the optimism is in Jesus Christ. The optimism is in my personal union with Christ. And with my union with Christ, putting prayer very much in the first place, uh, I will spread the gospel. And the first description of Jesus in Luke is that he doesn't just give optimism, he is optimism. He is the incarnation of optimism. I bring you uh, a baby that is good news of great joy. There's good news of great joy in that crib. John is more theological that from the get-go, he begins his gospel by saying that this word made flesh is the life and light of every human being. And it also says that the world rejected him, but those who do accept him, they receive the power to become children of God. And so the, 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 the gospels in the New Testament are brimming with optimism, but it's a realistic optimism. You know, I can't speak for God, but if we're not united to Christ, we don't have reason to be optimistic. Why do we get zapped by God? No, but God in his infinite mercy and providence wants to work with his disciples. And we allow God to do his work. And, and goodness and grace and love always have that last word in spite of what's going on. And so this, uh, this, 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 uh, this optimism is a realistic optimism intimately linked with holiness, uh, holy people. And it's not about the per- person, it's about Christ that through that holy people accomplish a great good. So, so Father, is, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. I know there is. All right. <laughs> so you just set us up for the whole hour here. <laughs> but let's talk also, you know, as, as you're talking about that optimism. So there's a couple of things that come to mind. You mentioned Peter. Yes. And he's out on the boat. Yes. And he says, we've been fishing all night, but Jesus at your command... I'll lower the nets on the other side. Correct. And then they haul in this massive catch. They have to call James and John over to help with their boat. There's another man that we actually hear about earlier uh, in the first reading at Mass today. Yes. Man who encounters a different kind of fish, Jonah. Yes. In that, he doesn't want to do what God asks him. Right. And God really kind of twists his arm behind his back and says, I'm going to put you in a very bad situation. I really want you to do this for me. You're my mouthpiece. You're the prophet that I've assigned this task. Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah tries to go the other way. He's swallowed, as we all know, belly of a big fish. Right. And finally he says, all right, I'll do it. And he goes to Nineveh. And he proclaims the message, and I, I think it said it's, it's like three days of walking that it would yes. take him, and it's only the first day. All it takes is the first day of him making this proclamation, change your sinful ways, or God will destroy you. Yes. And even after that, Jonah is... He's, he's giving pushback. It, right. And he's unhappy that they repent. Right. He, he doesn't want anything to do with this. But it also seems at that point, you know, you mentioned God, uh, Jesus 
if Peter wouldn't have lowered the nets, would there have been the catch of fish? No, there wouldn't have no. been. If the servants hadn't filled the cisterns full of water, would there have been the transformation from water to wine? No. no. But it also seems that God knows that certain things will happen. And even if we are unwilling, he's going to find somebody else or put us in circumstances where we're still going to accomplish his ultimate will. Yes. Well, also in the case of Jonah, uh, I would say there's an implicit repentance on his part, you know, realizing, especially in this conversation with the other sailors on the boat, where he finally admits that uh, yeah, it's me. I'm I'm the cause. Me. Of I'm, I'm the storm. cause of that, yeah. and then they reluctantly throw him into the water, and so there is a, a certain act of humility there, because God is our part of our optimism is if we only have a if, if it's you know zero tolerance first mistake the Lord gives up on us uh, well then I think we, our spirit of optimism would uh, significantly diminish. Sure, and uh, you mentioned Peter. Uh, even though it's not directly germane to the miraculous catch, uh, Peter really fed, uh, fell headlong. Uh, he betrayed Christ uh, with a small b, not to the degree of Judas, but here you, you have your, the spokesman of the apostles, the representative of Jesus, the first pope, uh, proclaims with anger, with vehemence, that he has nothing to do with Jesus. Uh, that's not exactly putting your best foot forward, but... There is a, a implicit spirit of optimism because when Peter uh, met the gaze of Jesus as Jesus was being carted away, Peter wept bitterly, but those were bitter tears of repentance. And in, in his mind and his heart, he realized that Jesus would obviously uh, give him one more chance or many chances. So our optimism, part of that realistic optimism is that we have uh, an infinitely loving God incarnate that will give us one more chance. Yes, uh, Jonah, his heart wasn't in there, but he did march through uh, Nineveh. I mean, he basically was complaining because he was leaving his comfort zone. Yeah, and uh, and he realized that probably when he was preaching repentance, the very fact that he survived being thrown out of the boat was all right. Well, God, I'm very much on your side, and I really want you to proclaim repentance. And he probably was blown away. Uh, by the Ninevites who did repent, uh, being uh, a man of a Jewish culture that could not interact with Gentiles, uh, saw them as sinful and impure, and all of a sudden they're, they've repented. So for some sick reason, uh, he had there's a bit of resentment that they actually uh, were spared being punished by God. Uh, so one of the other things that comes to mind as we're talking here, too, is that virtue of hope. And it would seem to me that hope and optimism just have to be inextricably linked of together as we're talking about this today. Yes. Well, I, I think it has to always involve uh, union with Christ, real joy, uh, real accomplishment of good in terms of evangelization of others, of family, of friends. Um, always that ultimately good outcome. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a priest of Opus Dei, and, you know, a few days ago, October 2nd, we celebrated uh, the, this divine, miraculous in, uh, illumination that St. Josemaria received to start Opus Dei, to spread that message of holiness. And, and he said, you know, he saw Christ in the world in a new way, which is basically the 
forerunner of the new evangelization. And just going through his life, uh, when he started, it was one colossal failure after another. And uh, humanly speaking, not in a supernatural sense, not, not really, uh, one cross after another. And I mean, the, the bulk of the suffering was the virulent uh, persecution of the church and that age of martyrdom that Spain experienced in the mid-30s where 7,000 priests and religious were executed on account of the faith. And uh, it was never seen, even in the earliest times, uh, that the Iberian Peninsula never saw such uh, mass martyrdoms as they did in the Civil War. And so he, he finally, you know, he raised a lot of, he raised money, liquidated his family's assets to purchase uh, the first uh, House of Opus Dei or Center, only to get it blown up during that Civil War. And, uh, you know, on a human level, he was just hitting his head against the wall, to put it mildly, but he said, listen, this is what God wants. It's going to work out. And so, you know, you go to central headquarters, he had etched in stone a segment of a line from Romans 8.28, which says, all things work out for the best for those who love God. And uh, there's a Latin phrase within that quotation is omnium bonum, all things work out for the best. He would have that etched in marble uh, all over the place in one of the centers in Rome. And so that was one of his favorite um, aspirations. All things work out for the best for those who love God. So you fast forward that October 2nd uh, episode and the years following that looked very extremely bleak. And then you fast forward to October 6th, and you have, I was there at the canonization, and you have hundreds of thousands of people present there who at least are taking serious consideration of following Christ in, in a full way from all over the world. What he, that he saw that on October 2nd, but they thought he was insane, but that became a reality uh, when he was beatified, when he was canonized. And... We, we, we don't look for extraordinary phenomena of that sort, but in our personal lives, that same paradigm would apply to us as well. Well, so let's pick up on that in just a moment. First of all, our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today, Father Peter Arminio, a priest of Opus Dei. And today we're talking about optimism, realistic Christian optimism. How has your faith life, your being united with Christ, how has it given you that ability to look at what's coming your way with that optimism, with that hope? How do you remain optimistic when you're going through a difficult time? Is there a prayer that you use, maybe a saint that you look at as an example of that hope and optimism? Maybe you're going through a difficult time right now, and it's hard to be optimistic, hard to maintain that joyful, hopeful outlook in your life uh, in the midst of difficult circumstances. And that's why Father is here today to talk with you. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll continue talking with Peter Ar- Father Peter Arminio here in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Forrester. 
Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for the hour, Father Peter Arminio. He's a priest of Opus Dei and a widely sought speaker as he preaches retreats and days of recollection. And today we're talking about Christian optimism. And how do you live that out? How have you seen that optimism in your own life by your being united with Christ? And even when you're going through that difficult time, how are you able to look at that that circumstance and say, you know what, yeah, things are difficult, but but I have that hope and that trust in God. I have my relationship with Christ, and I know that all things are going to work together for good for me because I love God. Uh, just like Father was talking about right before the break, our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, let's talk about that verse that you mentioned from Paul's letter to the Romans. All things work together for good. You know, there there are a lot of people who have made a lot of money yes. preaching about how if we just have enough faith, if we just have enough trust in God, that he will bless us. And so that means we're going to have all the cars that we want. We're going to have the swimming pool in the backyard with, you know, the big house. Uh, we're going to be completely healthy. And if, if you're not healthy, if you are dealing with some sort of chronic illness or, you know, there's some sort of debilitating disease that yes. you're dealing with, then that's because you don't have enough faith. But that doesn't match up with what we read then, because if we listen to Jesus... He tells us that we're going to face difficulties. He's going to say, you know, uh, you will face trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. Be hopeful. I have overcome the world. He tells us that we're going to face, if we're following him, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you on behalf of me. Rejoice and be glad because your reward will be great in heaven. So there's always this hopeful, you know, St. Paul tells Timothy, if we endure, then we shall reign. But it sounds like there's this guarantee of suffering, of tribulation, of trials that we're going to go through. And yet, in spite of that, we can remain optimistic. It seems like this kind of juxtaposition, this oxymoron of, you know, this paradox of embrace your suffering. I remember that in the, you remember the movie, The Passion of the Christ? Absolutely. And the one thief says, are you a fool? You're embracing your cross as Jesus starts to carry it down the Via Della Rosa. Yes. Um, that, those are good points, Josh, because if we're going to be honest with each other, uh, it's not just probably we will run into suffering or run into trials. Uh, it's guaranteed. And in fact, Jesus gives that as a condition for discipleship. If you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross daily and follow me. And again, there's that optimism. If we want to find life, we need to lose it. If we want to, if we, if we're going to, if we don't lose our life, if we don't bear our cross and deny ourselves, we will lose our life. Life meaning meaning, hope, 
true happiness, uh, true meaning in life, etc. Um, I um, I remember maybe I could illustrate this with a quick anecdote. Mm-hmm. I was um, one professional athlete, a professional NFL football player came wanted to chat with me, and um, he was a starter, and he was making pretty good salary, and if he would go to a restaurant with other players, they would give him a free meal, not that he needed it, he was the last person to need a free meal. And so, he, and he was playing a sport he really liked. Uh, he'd get that adrenaline rush when the fans would uh, roar with applause, etc. Life was good. And basically, I was giving him pretty simple advice, uh, unoriginal advice, read a little bit of the gospel, uh, when you wake up, say some prayers before you go to bed, let's start with that, and on and on. And then I looked at my watch, had to leave, because I had to go on a sick call. And this person, this was a woman dying of cancer. And um, I go there, and she's cracking jokes. And so psychologically, I'm, I'm wondering, well, maybe, maybe she's taking a turn for the better because she's, she's funny and she's nonchalant. And I asked her how she was doing. She said she's doing very well. And I, and I said, well, come on, you got to be honest with me. She said, well, the only problem is my family's suffering over my sickness, mm. but, you know, I'm— I am, I'm strong. I'm at peace. I, you know, I'm apprehensive, but I'm looking forward to heaven. And if I'm winning graces through this cross, that's more the better. And then I saw a book, a spiritual book she had, and I said, "Oh, wow, that looks interesting." He says, well, you, well, "Why don't you take it and read it?" I said, "Well, I'll, I'll give it back." He says, "I won't be here the next time you come." I said, "Well, you know, how do you know? I know. Don't borrow it. Take it." Because borrow is an oxymoron. So it was, she was kind of funny. I said, you sure you're safe? She said, yeah, I really am. <laughs> I did her funeral. And she died, I don't know, a week later, two weeks later. Why do I give this little narrative? Because she was significantly happier than the, the athlete. Mm. Significantly happy. And she was so much happier than him. And he wasn't down. You know, I'd be lying. No, he wasn't down. But he wasn't exuding with deep joy. Maybe he would experience thrills, but this woman was really happy. Why? Well, because of this intimate union with Christ, I'm sure, like any normal human being, when you're gripped with suffering and there's so much unknown and you lose control and you're grasping at something and you're you, 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 as one other person who is suffering a lot, I said, listen, I'm, I'm left with nothing but our Lord. And I go, well, now, now we're going to make some progress. When we go to our Lord, uh, it works out. I'd be, I'm not a prophet. Uh, I wouldn't wish suffering on anybody. But the Lord, in his infinite providence and love, permits us to bear a cross. Not, no cross will ever crush us. And we have to always see that our logo, there's two logos for our faith one is a woman with a baby, and that's our blessed mother with the baby, infant Jesus. But the other logo, which I think overarches the, the first one, is this naked dead man on the cross. And so, and the great saints, whether it's Thomas Aquinas, Francis of Assisi, say that the Lord's greatest sermon was that. And so, like, servant like master, but 
more optimism. Um, I'm positive, and I'm an older man now, um, that Jesus doesn't always doesn't only strengthen us, but He bears most of the cross because we don't bear a separate cross. We bear we we participate in His cross. Right. He literally does the heavy lifting. Um, now, albeit. There's certain, you know, that's not the norm, but there's certain very heavy crosses, losing a loved one, being terminally ill. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, make light of that, that's for sure. But even in those cases, because when you're in the midst of that kind of suffering, you know, the emotions are such, and that's the human condition, that it's hard to be emotionally optimistic. But these same people, because of their union with Christ, they draw great good out of that suffering. There's a resurrection going on. Now, it's not better health. It's not a a promotion. It's not an increase in salary. And if there is one that's just coincidental, it's something much more valuable. There's a a greater uh, joy in Christ and a greater, we develop the greatest of all gifts uh, of of charity towards God, towards others. And there's no price tag on that. Um, And that's verified by the Lord's... um, I think it's more or less Matthew 24 to 35. No, 6, 24 to 35, where Jesus repeats himself because it's hard. Do not worry, do not worry, do, or do not be anxious, depending on the translation. Yeah, right. And then he rallies. He said, first look for the kingdom of God. In other words, holiness of life. All things will be given to you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. You only have the grace of today's troubles, meaning that I will give you the grace for the present moment. Do not bear a cross that doesn't exist or doesn't exist yet. So it's all about Jesus Christ, um, uh, uh, this whole spirit of optimism. But anyway, Josh, maybe you want to intervene a little bit. But I have to... Well, it, let's let's go to the phones really quick, okay. Father. We've got um, – I'll throw out the number again here, 888-914-9149, as we're all talking about being optimistic and you know having the best reason in the world, in the universe, to be optimistic, our relationship with Christ. How have you lived that out in your life? And maybe you are going through that difficult time that Father Peter is talking about where uh, you, you've, you've faced some really uh, tough circumstances. Maybe something really sorrowful that's gone on in your life. How have you been able to live out that optimism because of looking to the cross, because of looking at Christ and knowing that your hope lies in him? 888-914-9149. Father, Irene is listening to us in Cranston, Rhode Island. Hi, Irene. You're on the air with Father Peter Armenio. Hi, Irene. Hello, Father. How are you? How's it going? Good. How about you, Father? Doing well, thank you. What's your question? Oh, I'm sorry. I have a question. I was just sharing a story that. Yeah, go go um, right ahead, Irene. To me. I'm sorry. Well, I have a lot of questions. But that's another story. Um, no, I was just sharing with them that I'm a nurse and I was working with uh, a very unstable, mentally ill patient, and I really. Um, met the, the worst end of his aggression and sustained quite a bit of physical and obviously, you know, a little PTSD after the incident. Sure. But what it allowed for me was I was able to stay home at a very, very pivotal time for my family. My mother had open heart surgery and my stepmother 
ended up passing. Um, I ended up being out of work for about a 10-month period, which, you know, as a nurse, sometimes, you know, even if you try to be out of work and take time out, they don't look too well on that, and they kind of give you grief sometimes. But by this incident, I was able to do all of that the way that I wanted to and able to, excuse me, a little choked up, um, you know, put to rest. I was able to take care of him the way that I wanted to, and he gave me the strength for that. And I really see it as a blessing. And most people, you know, when I mention that, they sometimes look at me, but it was able to provide me with what I needed and take my faith, you know, and put it to something positive. Yes, Irene, that's a, a great comment because the other, there's so many aspects of this optimism. A very a key one is that God loves us infinitely and he loves us personally. And if anyone wants our happiness and our well-being, it's God. But God wants us to have more than just a comfortable life or, you know, a little bit more money or better health. He wants us to share in his very life, and that's perfected in heaven. And as we try to open ourselves to him, your experience is uh, common in very personal and distinct ways of just different manifestations of God looking after you. Uh, the, the only hitch is that we need to be open to him and let him love us. You know, we, you know, if I'm going to uh, be a beneficiary of God's love, I have to let him I have to open the door to him for him, and that's what you did. So thank you for sharing with us. Yeah, thanks for the call, Irene. And again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. Today, as we talk about the optimism we have in our lives, that hopeful, that realistic optimism, because of our relationship with Jesus, and how have you lived that out? And maybe there's a prayer that you use that helps you kind of go back to, why do I have that optimism? And it brings you back to your relationship with Christ. Maybe there's a saint that's been a good example for you of how they have lived out that hope, that optimism in their life. Maybe it's tough for you to be optimistic right now. Maybe you're going through a difficult time and you'd like some advice, maybe some encouragement. Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. And we'll continue our conversation and take more of your phone calls right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. If you are struggling or searching for something more... If you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. Call now, 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to the program. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Peter Arminio, a priest of Opus Dei. And today we're talking about optimism, the optimism we have because of our relationship with Christ. And we'll get back to that conversation in just a moment and more of your phone calls. And again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. But also I want to tell you about something that we are giving away right now. Uh, Well, we're giving you the opportunity to sign up for it. And it's 
Related to Christmas, don't worry, don't worry. I know we haven't hit Halloween, we haven't hit All Saints Day, we haven't hit Thanksgiving, but this is because uh, we're giving away 200 different nativity sets. These are outdoor nativity sets, each one valued at over $500, and we want to make sure you have it so you can have it in time for the full season of Advent, and you can put it outside your home or your apartment or wherever you might live, and all you have to do to get this is just go to Relevant Radio slash nativity and you can sign up there but we're only taking registrations through October 15th so don't put it off don't wait it's a great way to show people that you really uh, you you want to proclaim Merry Christmas you don't want to just say happy holidays you want to say Merry Christmas so again register right now relevantradio.com slash nativity and Father Peter as we continue our conversation about optimism uh, right before the break, you shared this beautiful story of, of two different people you encountered. One, this professional football player living a good life, yes. but you know maybe kind of just enjoying more of the superficial things uh, that he has there. And then a woman who knows that she is dying yes. and going to die fairly soon. Yes. And that that allowed her in the face of you know her own mortality it allows her to really focus in key in on her relationship with Christ and that union with Christ so that's talking about us growing in holiness we're striving to be as close in friendship as we possibly can with Christ and and that idea of holiness that was something that a lot of times when i hear that i think okay growing in holiness that means I want to stop sinning. I want to follow the Ten Commandments. But it ca- it has kind of this sterile, kind of off-in-the-distance look for me. But if I'm really talking about just, if, if it's loving Christ, if I am falling in love with Christ, and that's what holiness is, then instead of me taking up my time on my own efforts, trying not to sin, trying to do the good things. If all I want to do is be in this loving relationship with Christ, and when I'm in love, I just want to spend all my time with that person. If I do something that makes them smile or makes them laugh, well, I want to do more. I want to give those kind of moments to them. I want to. I, I don't want to do anything that would hurt them. But if I'm filling up all of my time with, I just want to spend time with you, there's not a lot of extra time left over for all the things that I, you know, in that abstract view of holiness where I'm saying, oh, I got to stop doing all these wrong things. It doesn't leave much time for that. It just fills up all my time with that friendship, that loving relationship with Christ. Absolutely. And that's the proper way to uh, view our discipleship, our Christian vocation. And you see the gospel characters, um, holiness is not a question of just avoiding sin. That's that's Dullsville. Yeah. And uh and we Americans perhaps we have to massage that word sanctity or holiness because part of our culture is to achieve and to be successful. Well, at least maybe to be successful in living my Catholic faith and I, you know, obey those 10 commandments and I avoid sin and I don't get angry and I don't get greedy. A little bit of negative but a little bit performance driven. Whereas in reality, the optimism and what the Lord is calling us to do is to fall in love with him. And that's a grace, but it's a grace that we earn in part 
because it's a question of, I want this, I desire this. And of course, the Lord who loves us infinitely will give us that grace to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Saints have that kind of lingo. Um, Again, going back to my own founder, he said, I'm a sinner madly in love with Jesus Christ. And he would kind of boast a little bit. He said, I'm 70 years old. How many 70-year-old men could say they're madly in love? That's why I'm not 70. I'm seven, because when you're madly in love, you're always young. So, and, and we see those gospel characters. Well, you know, take your pick, whether it's Mary Magdalene, whether it's John, whether it's Peter, whether it's Demas on the cross. Um, they're moved by the goodness of Jesus, and they fall in love. And it, obviously it stands to reason that they're not going to sin as much as they used to in significant part. But that's what... Um, that's what it's all about, and we can't underestimate ourselves because we will have the grace uh, to have that intimate friendship with Christ. And when we live that gospel, as Josh mentioned, well, this is what pleases Christ. This is what will help me follow him more closely, and therefore, of course, I want to do that. I want to embrace my cross uh, in order to connect with him in a more intimate way. So. Yes, that's another one of the another it's another aspect of optimism, and in, I know we haven't even celebrated All Saints, uh, but what do the angels tell the shepherds? I give you good, I bring you good news of great joy, and so they have to go to Bethlehem, and only then, when they go to Bethlehem, they're connected with the infant Jesus. Do they themselves experience this good news of great joy? So. So, I mean, this is a personal call for each of us. Absolutely. You know, but how how can I, if I am living out that loving relationship, is it just, is it one of those things that it will just overflow because I can't help but, you know, I, if if I'm in love with Christ, people are just going to see it? Or are there things that at that point I will... Do do I have to still strive to try and take that love out to the world? Yes, we have to strive, but at the same time, it's both. It's both because uh, this charity is always an overflow of that love poured into us. When Jesus encountered the Samaritan woman, he said that if we go after that water, if we accept that gift, we will be like oases, uh, where waters of everlasting life spring out. We will be sources of uh, a spring of everlasting life. We're not the ultimate source. Christ is. But we will tap into that and be able to uh, overflow that love into others. That's basically what uh, sanctity is, holiness is. It's an overflow of our love for Christ. Do we have to struggle? Yes, just like someone madly in love with uh, their future spouse yeah, they love them, they want to please them, but they have to discover, all right, what, as Josh says, what makes that person happy? What pleases that person? What does not please that person? Uh, but that comes from a grace of God. I'd say step number one, and it takes struggle, is to spend time with Jesus. When you're courting someone, when you're trying to become good friends, what do you need to do? You need to converse and spend time. I can't stress enough the importance of prayer, today's gospel, uh, Martha was castigated a little bit by Jesus because she did not sit at his feet. Right. And, and Mary had chosen the better part. So we have to chose, choose the better part in order to give the better part to others. So, I mean, as you're saying this, 
there might be somebody saying, okay, you know, I spend time in prayer and I don't know, shouldn't it be coming easier? Shouldn't this be happening faster? I, I want to love Christ, but it just seems like it's this really slow, long drawn out process. I just, I, I want to get to the end. I just want to be fully madly in love. What, what might help that person? What will help that person is the only, we we can't judge ourselves the way the Holy Spirit can, but we can examine our conscience. What I got to look for more than measure the quality of my prayer or the quality of or evaluate my interior life or what stage I'm at, how am I making sacrifices, you know, with the grace of God to seek out Christ more than what am I getting out of this mass? Uh, what am I getting out of the prayer? That's fine, you know, not to get uh, uh, bent out of shape about that, but am I really looking for him? Do I am I faithful? Am I on time? Do I can I say, well, I'm really trying to give myself here. I don't know, I don't feel much, but I am really seeking Christ. That's what I, that's the question I need to ask. Am I seeking Christ, uh, Father? Thank you so much for being my, here. My for pleasure. The hour. It was an honor. It was great. Yeah, and as we do conclude the hour, could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, who is the source of optimism. May we find that optimism through our prayer and discipleship. I bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great being with you. God bless. Thanks so much, Father Peter. Father Peter Armenio and uh, Priest of Opus Dei, our spiritual director for the hour here. If you missed any earlier portion of the program, go back and find it on the podcast. It'll be posted here in a little bit on RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. Of course, stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up up here in just a moment, followed by The Faith Explained with Cale Clark. And tomorrow on the program, we're going to talk about the peace of Christ. I hope you can join us as we have that wonderful discussion here.